1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll give them a call. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have Terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Alfie Oaks. He's a candidate for Republican State Committee. And, of course, he's also the owner of Seed and Table. And uh, we'll find out a little bit about the uh, lawsuit that he's filed against uh, Lee County School Board. Uh, Very interesting. $50 million, by the way. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? She'll be joining us as well as Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is July the 17th, and on this day in 1941, New York Yankee center fielder Joe DiMaggio, Jilton Joel, failed to get a hit against the Cleveland Indians and brought his historic 56-game hitting streak to an end. The record run had captivated the country for... Well, a couple of months. Joseph Paul DiMaggio was born November the twenty-fifth, 1914, in Martinez, California. In 1891, his father Giuseppe had immigrated from Sicily to the Bay Area, where he made his living as a fisherman. The DiMaggio family moved to San Francisco's Italian-dominated North Beach neighborhood the year before Joe was born. Joe was the eighth of nine children, the fourth of five boys, two of whom, his older brother Vince and younger brother Dominic, joined him in the major leagues. His two brothers had successful major league careers, but Jolton Joe, arguably the best player of his generation, one of the greatest of all time, was truly a phenomenon. In 1941, DiMaggio, in his sixth season as center fielder for the New York Yankees had already helped lead the team to American League pennants, the World Series, along with first baseman Lou Gehrig in 1936, 37, and 38. In 1939, Gehrig fell ill, of course, with uh, what became known as uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, that year, he led the American League with a 381 batting average and helped the Yankees to their fourth championship in a row. That was the first major league team ever to win uh, four titles in a row in 1940. DiMaggio led the American League hitting again in three with 352, but the Yankees finished. Yankees finished two games behind Luke, Hank Greenberg's Detroit Tigers. On May the 15th, 1941, he began his record-breaking streak against the White Sox in Yankee Stadium with a single and an RBI. As the streak continued, fans across the nation took notice. DiMaggio broke George Sisler's American League record of 41 consecutive games with a hit. And on June the 29th at Griffith Stadium in Washington, and four days later on July the 2nd, he broke Wee Willie Keeler's Major League record of 44 games as the nation followed DiMaggio's progress and he continued to hit in a game after game. The Les Brown Orchestra scored a hit with the popular tune, Jolton Joe DiMaggio. If you can believe that, everybody got caught up in this. Finally, on July the 17th in Cleveland, in a night game in front of 67,000 fans, he went hitless against the Cleveland pitcher Alf Smith and Jim Bagby Jr. In his first three at-bats, he grounded out to third base twice and against Smith, both on hard balls and then walked. And with Bagby pitching In the eighth inning, DiMaggio hit into a double play, ending the Yankee rally, and the greatest hitting streak in Major League history. DiMaggio confided to a teammate that after the game, by failing to get a hit, he had lost $10,000 promised to him by the Heinz Ketchup Company, uh, featuring, of course, 57 on their labels. $10,000, $10,000. That was a lot of money back then. DiMaggio won 1941 American League MVP over Red Sox slugger Ted Williams in spite of the latter's Williams batting 406 that year, the last time any major league hit, uh, batter hit over 400. DiMaggio retired after 1951 season with 13 seasons with the Yankees that included 11 pennants and nine World Series wins. Little known fact is he actually injured his arm and he could, couldn't throw worth a darn. And one time he just continued to bobble a game, running into uh, bobble the uh, baseball on a fly ball until he got close to the infield where he could throw it. He was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1955. Joe DiMaggio, Joe and Joel, his hitting streak ended on this day in 1941. Well, there's 204 cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Cuyahoga County yesterday. Cases increased to 7,076 out of 39,000 tested, and its total COVID-19-related deaths goes up to 100, with one dying yesterday. 970 people, uh, 497 people have gone into the hospital, and I would guess about 150 of them are still there. Others have been released. So I don't know which of these numbers we can trust after the news. They came out of Orlando yesterday with the, the numbers being fudged. Uh, I'm quite certain that the number of deaths has been amplified simply because people, the coroner or whoever, attending physician marks the death as with COVID, which doesn't mean he necessarily died with COVID-19. Number of cases also is uh, under suspicion because of what's happened by the report yesterday that in some cases, labs are reporting 100% uh, uh, positive with COVID-19, and that's just impossible. They know that. So, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the country continues to be traumatized by uh, COVID-19 and I think over, way overreacting to the panic, to the endemic that uh, we're facing here. Well, the Supreme Court refused yesterday to let Florida felons who completed their sentences vote in primaries without first paying their fees, fines and restitution as the state requires by law. Voting rights groups challenged the requirement as unconstitutional, giving their state voters approved a constitutional amendment in 2018, giving hundreds of thousands of felons the right to vote. The requirement will remain in effect while the case is heard next month by a federal appeals court. The unsigned order was opposed by liberal associate justices Sonia Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And Elena Kagan, Sotomayor, said it prevents thousands of otherwise eligible voters from participating in Florida's primary election simply because they are poor. Well, that may be, but they didn't uh, complete their sentence, which required restitution, fines, and so forth. And that's, uh, that's just part of the deal. Under the scheme, nearly a million otherwise eligible citizens cannot vote unless they pay money, Sotomayor said, calling it a voter paywall. Well, Florida Florida voters approved a constitutional amendment in 2018 allowing felons to vote, and 64% of that uh, people approved. But the state legislature passed, and then Governor Ron DeSantis signed a law requiring felons first pay all fees, fines, and restitution owed as part of the process. The restriction was uh, challenged by voting rights groups, and uh, so there's about 775,000 folks that are affected by this, and so far, uh, there's been about 85,000 uh, previous felons, convicted felons, who have uh, paid up and have registered to vote. Well, you may have seen the pictures of the Bronx, Bronx man who allegedly punched a New York uh, Police Department, Chief Terrence Monahan and two other officers during protests at the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, you know what? He's been released without bail. How do you like that? Monahan on Thursday described the uh, two-part as an anarchist group that have been infiltrating the uh, Black Lives Matter movement since the beginning. He said... Uh, on uh, show good day new york this is what we dealt with since the very first protest uh, with after george floyd he went on and it's a legitimate movement but it's been hijacked by these anarchists and they're the ones that have been attacking our police officers and are hiding behind the many many peaceful protesters that are out there he said so again he walks uh, doesn't even have to pay pay bail he's out of jail And uh, so what do you expect to happen in New York? I expect the crime rate to go up substantially as a result of this. So I want to spend just a couple of minutes about uh, U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr's comments. He delivered a comprehensive indictment of the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, in a speech at the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Museum yesterday. I watched uh, uh, the entire speech. It was amazing. He uh, emphasized that he hopes the communist leaders in Beijing view his remarks as especially disgusting after they refute uh, FBI Director Chris Wei's speech is disgusting. He, he highlighted just every American should be aware of the content of the speech to understand the threat of our freedom and way of life. It just impacted me so much that this is clearly the enemy going forth, their, their desire to is to rule the world literally. Uh, Barr made the comment. They don't want to trade with us. They want to, uh, they want to steal everything we have. American companies must understand the stakes. The Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party, thinks in terms of decades and centuries. And while we tend to focus on the next quarterly earnings report. He said Bill Barr delivered a dire warning to U.S. and the world on Thursday regarding what he said could be the most important issue of our nation and the world in the 21st century. That's the Chinese Communist Party's global ambitions. Uh, Discussing sectors including technology, pharmaceutical, and entertainment industries, he described how the Chinese government is engaged in economic blitzkrieg Aimed at dominating the global economy and replacing the U.S. as the world's top superpower, we're not going to have a time right now to discuss the entire speech. But I just encourage you, if you have the time, uh, just Google uh, the uh, Bill Barr's speech yesterday at the uh, Gerald Ford Center. It uh, was truly amazing. Certainly was a wake up call for me, and I think for should be for all Americans. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples longest established air conditioning company johnsonsairconditioning.com is the website also naples illustrated bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com coming up we're going to be visiting with william Yatman. he is a research fellow at the cato institute that and more right here in the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
1: Golf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Golf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pin Up Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show. Show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bercher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Of course, we've got a new season coming up. But in addition to that, great summer programs for young people. You just visit the website, Golf Shore Playhouse dot org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Alfie Oaks. He's, of course, the owner of Seed to Table and made some controversial comments uh, that offended the uh, Lee County School Board. We'll also be talking about his candidacy for a Republican state committeeman. Right now we have with us uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, always a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Always a pleasure to be on the show, Bob.
1: Thank you so much, William. Tell Tell us about the Cato Institute.
2: You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're committed to advancing the ideals of a free society
1: at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. Terrific organization. So uh, for the last few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about the, the trials and tribulations of uh, uh, Kelly, uh, not Kelly, I'm sorry, Flynn, uh, Michael Flynn, as well as uh, Roger Stone. Any update?
2: Uh, Indeed, earlier, I guess on both accounts, um, earlier this week, Stone's sentence was commuted by the president, Um, and uh, this is something, you know, as as listeners of our Friday conversations would know well, that um, I'm certainly fine with. I mean, I think he got um, his crime of lying to Congress. Doesn't strike me as, you know, worthy of 40 months in prison. Yeah. Um, and I also, I'll note this to the listeners, that at the very least, he deserved a new trial, given that the, the person of his jury wasn't a valid Democratic uh, activist. Um, so I welcome that news, and, and of course there were histrionic reactions um, in certain elements of the press, but... Uh, I'll say this about the Trump's use of the pardon power. Um, it is not it's uh, alas, uh, but fairly common for presidents to uh, abuse allegedly abuse this power. Mm-hmm. What is unique about what is Trump? Trump has done is that prior instances that have been controversial tend to occur in a president's second term during their lame duck or during their lame duck of their first term when they no longer face any electoral accountability. Trump, to his credit, these decisions are very much in the open, and, you know, to the extent that voters are offended, um, he's given them a unique opportunity to weigh in this November, so mm-hmm. I actually do applaud um, this, you know, it's an express power in the Constitution, and to the extent it's exercised, I, I, I do like the precedent of uh, allowing uh, um, that sort of accountability. So that's on the Stone case, mm-hmm. and then on the Flynn case, in what seems to be a weekly. A weekly endeavor. There has been yet another um, a release of previously uh, a censored, or, you know, previously uh, uh, withheld information by the federal government. Indeed, in this ongoing Flynn trial or Flynn controversy, to the effect that the FBI, after initially interviewing him, and recall that Flynn, um, as we discussed, got a railroaded. Is a is a putative crime. Is lying to the FBI that per the notes of the agents involved, that they thought he was being forthright. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually the second such disclosure in two weeks. So it really does uh, uh, lend insight into that the stinkiness, if you will. Uh, the, you know, not a lot of justice um, was being imparted to Mr. Flynn. So yeah. Sort of on, on both cases, um, I guess there was some news this week.
1: All right, so the, they went to the appeals court. The appeals court said, okay, two to one said, well, okay, we're going to, we think we're not going to, uh, re- reverse uh, the decision that uh, the judge who's <laughs> making the appeal, and of course, in my view, has no standing to make this appeal, but he wants to take it on uh, banc. Have you heard any kind of reaction from the nine justices that would be involved?
2: Well, at this point, I mean, it, he has the uh, uh, recourse to uh, certainly petition the court for an on-bank hearing. I don't know whether or not the court has granted that permission. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, but uh, but I will echo what you said, which is enough is enough. um mm-hmm. Judge Sullivan, um in a largely unprecedented manner, has been ordered by the higher court to to dismiss this case. Um, you know, as we've spoken a number of times, there's no one to prosecute it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite sure why he insists on dragging out these legal processes, especially given the seemingly weekly release of exculpatory evidence that had heretofore been withheld by the government. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, why he insists on persisting is beyond me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so I, before I let you go, I do. Uh, the president has, uh, you know, become impatient with the violence that, for example, being allowed in Portland right now that's happened in Seattle and other places. And he says, you know what, these jurisdictions, uh, the, the, that's they're not... Uh, Ins- they're not enforcing the rule of law and if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, any thoughts on that?
3: Well, so it's a
2: sort of a, a, a dual-edged matter here. I mean, on the one hand, within our federalist system, the president has very limited ability to directly order how states and, and other localities should use their quote-unquote police power in mm-hmm. this fundamental attribute of sovereignty that is in fact uh the, the ability of a state to take care of its people as it deems best so on the one hand there's not many direct mechanisms by which the president can do so. On the other hand, um due to the nature of uh federal spending, there are any number of indirect mechanisms ah. by which the president can achieve what he wants and, and by what I, what I'm talking about here is To effectively condition grants uh, of money of of federal taxpayer money that states would receive with uh, a requirement, uh, you know, that they (laughs) that they protect their people. Uh, I'll say this: ultimately, and and I'm sympathetic with what the Trump uh, with what the president is saying here. I mean, you know, it's there does seem to be this failure at the local level. Um, to pretend, you know that that silly Chaz, that that free autonomous uh, area in Seattle, being the, the kind of foremost example. Um, but ultimately, the outrage has to come from the locals. I mean, I know that if I lived, I've got a brother who's a doctor in Seattle, and I know he's outraged um, to an extent that he hasn't been before. So mm-hmm. it, it is a uh, uh, it is at the voting bo- uh, polls, uh, you know, come November, where I think. Um, the, the true consequential action will be taken. And so regardless of what Trump does, it's kind of up to the voters here.
1: Yeah, that's such an important point. Again, uh, William Yeatman, uh fellow research fellow at the Cato Institute, I generally appreciate uh, your uh, commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my pleasure, indeed. org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Alfie Oates, candidate for Republican State Committeeman, owner of Seed to Table, and, of course, uh, suing the Lee County school system. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us Alfie Oaks. Alfie is, well, he's owner of Seed to Table. He's also uh, been in a dust-up with the Lee County School System. We'll be talking about that, as well as candidate for Republican State Committeeman, Alfie Oaks. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Well, thank you, Alfie. So, uh, first of all, we just mentioned I, we dropped by a seated table, had a meal there. It was just, abs- I had no idea what to expect, but it was absolutely fantastic. Congratulations on what you've created there.
4: Yeah, one of the great things we're seeing right now with uh, with this, you know, upon summer here, we're still getting a lot of new customers coming in that have not, have not seen the store before. So um, it's good to see, see new faces always, and um, we're, we're really um, really amazed by the, the amount of business that we're doing even through these, uh, through these summer, you know, beginning of the summer months here and also with, um, with all that's going on around us.
1: Absolutely. Well, you've been in the news so much lately. Of course, there was a protest, a Black Lives Matter type of thing in front of your uh, store. Uh, and by the way, it's right at the corner of mockley and, um, let's see, Livingston on the north. East Corner, and I uh, just encourage you to stop by if you haven't been there. So uh, they, there's a protest there. You had a bunch of people there uh, supporting you, and this all this is because of some of the comments you made about uh, COVID-19, as well as Black Lives Matter, and this has all led to a lawsuit against the Lee County, I think it's against the school system or school board, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Maybe well, we, actually, we actually have the lawsuit against um, the Lee County School Board, but... Uh, also against all of the all of the school board members individually, and, and the superintendent and procurement of foods individually, uh, as well as um, um, we, we we filed a eighty six page uh, criminal uh, charges uh, with FDLE for a violation of the Florida Sunshine uh, Law.
1: That's so interesting. Well, so uh, I, I guess this will proceed. Of course, the uh, wheels of justice grind fine. But this is because uh, maybe the background on this is because your First Amendment rights have been violated by this action.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's certainly. I mean, there's 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 several things that were violated there. Uh, contractual uh, violation, uh, one that's really clear cut because under the terms of the contract, uh, you're not allowed to. You know, not allowed to you know cut a contract because of a First Amendment, right? Or, or a viewpoint discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this this whole cancel culture that we're that that's um, that's come to exist in the country just over the last few months is is really uh, it's really scary. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we see Goya Foods there. Um, you know, that just they, they were they were at the you know at the White House with uh, President Obama, and and of course everything was fine, and then. And they show up and and support Donald Trump, and and uh, you have the left coming out trying to trying to to you know take down Goya Foods, and uh, I think it's going to backfire. A lot of these things do that we, we've uh, we've made a we brought in a whole semi load of the Goya food products, and and um, and they're selling like crazy. We're actually even doing a donation to the to the for every item that we sell, we're donating an uh, equal the same exact item to the Benison of uh, 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 center in in uh, Immokale, which has been a group we've dealt with for a long time. This- that does a lot of good in the mockley without without a lot of overhead.
1: Yeah, well, congratulations to you. I mean, you kind of become what I what I consider to be a culture hero because uh, so many people have been quieted by the threat of uh, you know <laughs> looting and, and all kinds of things, and yet you're standing up saying, you know what, uh, with Black Lives Matter, it's a hoax. It's so uh, it's a COVID nineteen. I you know whether people agree with it or don't agree with it, you certainly have the right to say it, and I'm certainly proud of you for doing it. Yeah,
4: that's uh, certainly. Uh, I could have never imagined a lot of the things that's going on in this country you know uh, right now even from even from six months ago but but especially something where we where, uh, where you would lose contracts over over just a, a viewpoint yeah. or, or a political statement it's just not the not the America that, that any of us grew up in
1: right well Goya fuse is going to benefit from all this and I suspect that seed to table is too. So. yeah we're,
4: we've been we've been reaping the benefits already from uh, this the, Unbelievable amount of support. Uh, we have people coming from Punta Gorda, Lehigh Acres, Cape Coral, and they said they're coming at least once a week. Some people say they're buying all their all the you know all their food from us now. That to, to support uh, the cause I ne- I never could have imagined that uh, that it would turn into this, or that we'd have just such an incredible amount of support of. of of um, you know really good patriots coming in to support our business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just transition right now to your candidacy for Republican State Committeeman. To to prepare for the interview, I kind of did some research on what a Republican State Committeeman does and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so maybe you could tell us about it.
4: You know, it's it's um I, I don't I don't want to minimize the position. it's for as far as politics go, it's a you know, fairly entry entry level Political position, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, and the, the, I, I didn't have I didn't like have my sights set on being the uh, state committee man for a long time. It it uh, it, it kind of came up in a conversation, and um, where, where you can really where you can really help out there is uh, you know there's a committee man from every county in the state, and they meet once every once every uh, quarter mm-hmm. up in Orlando and, and the governor's there, and you kind of. Get to get to meet different different uh you know different people from from other counties so it's an inter- introduction into the into the political realm but uh you know more locally with the with the republican uh, uh, uh committee here in naples we we can try to help make the choices to you know from my uh, standpoint specifically to try to bring in good good candidates that are that are sound candidates and you know true republicans in in in, in my opinion someone that is uh you know, I'm I'm looking for someone that really believes in our in our liberties uh, and and uh, and true conservative values versus uh, what we we see a lot of times, especially here in Naples, where you see a lot of people that are uh, they got the R behind their name, but a lot of their a lot of their values seem to. To
1: waver. Yeah, exactly. You know, I hope we could do something about the S- S- Collier County School Board, for crying out loud. Here we are, one of the conservative bastions of the nation. And, uh, boy, these people, in my view, are just so uh, supporting the uh, liberal uh, point of view. So I don't know if you have any, can have any influence in that area, but that's so important.
4: Well, we've, had, you know, I was, really I can't say a different word than I was outraged when I heard that they were they're going to mandate masks and goggles on our on our children yeah. in the Cuyahra County schools. I I really I could never have imagined it in, in Cuyahra County, and um, the, especially when we look at the at the science uh, of the you know the, with ch- children, um, there's there, there's actually been a less of a mortality rate than a normal influenza virus right, virus right. On, on children. And uh, you know, even in our own county. So for we, you know, Collier County schools, are, you know, you would think would base their their decision making based on what's happened in in Collier County. And we see in in the in Collier County right now, we have ninety four people uh, since this COVID uh, started that have that have died of COVID out of three hundred and seventy plus thousand people. So that's a that's a mortality rate of a quarter of a person in one thousand. So. Uh, if we go back just to 2017, uh, the, the uh, CDC reports that we had two persons in Collier County out of 1,000 that were dying of the influenza virus. So yeah. we had eight times more people dying from influenza in Collier County two years ago. And, they, you know, of course we did nothing. Uh, but, but to take this stance to to put to, to really put the fear, I think the fear of God, into our children by asking them to come to school with with masks and goggles
1: it's uh... It's, it's, it's very sad sad indeed I couldn't agree more and it's a uh, it way overreaction uh, and if, in fact, you mentioned the death count, quite frankly, it's probably inflated because the people, uh, they put on the death certificate died with COVID-19, even though they may have died of stage four cancer, whatever it might be. So I'm quite certain that those numbers are inflated. And quite frankly, based on the news that came out of Orlando yesterday, there's a, a high possibility that the number of testing positive is way overinflated as well.
4: Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, I don't know, you know, I've sat through several of these, uh, County commissioner meetings, and when you look at what the Department of Health, the the way that they phrase all of their studies, or the way that the 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 way that they're, they're put together with statistics, you know, there's uh, uh, there's uh, there's three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics, and, and uh, but the the, uh, the the way that they manipulate all the figures to. To, I mean, they are just like how the media. If you listen to the media, ask Donald Trump a question. You, we all know how it's phrased, and and to watch these 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 two different different people that represent the Department of Health um, up there, um, it's it's really saddening because they're, they're it is a is a total narrative. Uh, that, that their, you know, total agenda that they have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here. Again, after, uh, Alfie, I just uh, just genuinely appreciate I've, I've got my ballot right here in front of me, so I'm filling in your name as, and, and darkening your area for... Uh, Republican state committeeman, and uh, also uh, seat the table. What a fantastic, I mean, it's it's uh, actually, you're not, if you haven't been there before, you need to go because you can find out it's just different than anything you've experienced and the highest and best of quality. And again, thank you for speaking out. Thanks so much for supporting First Amendment rights. Alfie Oakes. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hope My pleasure. To see you again. All right. I hope so as well. I'm looking forward to... By the way, how many owners do you see just sitting at, <laughs> and talking to people? He's just pretty amazing. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She's the author of Where Should We Eat? She also writes commentary on travel, dining, and entertainment here in the Paradise Coast. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network.
0: to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, I want to just do a little shout-out for Lulabee's Diner right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. A lot of construction going on, so a little difficult to get to, but I just encourage you to stop by. Great breakfast or lunch at Lulabee's Diner, and they're big supporters of St. Matthew's House, which brought it to mind. So uh, org is the website there. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny, As I mentioned before the break, she uh, writes comments and Travel, Dining, and Entertainment, her book, Where Should We Eat? Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to talk to you as always, Bob. Thank you, Sharon. So uh, we just visited with Alfie Oaks. He's the uh, owner of Seed to Table. We went there last week. It was an amazing experience, almost indescribable in terms of thinking about a store uh, uh, or a grocery place to get mm-hmm. groceries. What are your thoughts?
3: Great store! What a wonderful uh, addition to Naples and you know the good thing about um, every time we get a store like that, everybody else ups their game and we have definitely seen um, a rise in quality and attention to detail since seed to table opened. We have seen it in fresh market we 've seen it in uh, the whole foods everybody is Becoming a little bit more aware that there's a competition in town and they've got to step up their game, which is good for all of us.
1: Absolutely, and of course, it's a local business too. You're always uh, been talking about supporting local business, so uh, yeah. I mean, Alfie is a member of the community. He's there a lot. I couldn't believe we went by there, an the area sitting right there at the counter.
3: <laughs> so, well, and you know what a family. His father Frank Oaks started this whole um, uh, group, uh, this whole business uh, many, many years ago, and uh, with Oaks Farms on Davis, and then the 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 real outstanding. Uh, uh, for its time was when Food and Thought opened about 10 years ago. His yeah. father opened Food and Thought, which was, he, as he called it, a militantly organic uh, res- uh, store and restaurant, which is located inside of Seed to Table. I don't know if you ever noticed that.
1: No, I didn't. Yeah. But there
3: is an actual Food and Thought section huh. inside of Seed to Table, which is again militantly organic the rest of uh seed to table you know is a mixture but there is a satellite food and thought inside of seed to table
1: wow they had no idea well uh (laughs) linda knows that i don't want to spend a lot of time looking around and shopping so uh, but nevertheless i was so impressed i'm
3: sure she will be though yes
1: she was and i went upstairs and just sat and had a beer while she was (laughs) What's walking around? <laughs> what a great
3: concept with the restaurant and yeah. being able to eat and shop at the same time, because I always get hungry when I'm grocery shopping, so kills two birds with one stone. Well,
1: let me just mention that. It's so much you could go down and pick out a nice piece of meat or a, a, whatever you'd like to eat. Uh, they will t- take it upstairs for you and prepare it, and uh, you can dine there with the, well, the food that you picked out and uh, have a glass of wine or a beer whatever you want to have. It's just a really unique uh, concept.
3: Well, and a great open space as well for people who feel claustrophobic these days especially. You know, great high ceilings, open space, um, wonderful fresh food everywhere. Just a great healthy looking place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of upping your game, uh, any thoughts? I mean, this is a difficult time for restaurants. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, you know, I'm always a very positive uh person in terms of restaurants or small businesses and making sure that they make a go of it. And and when you see restaurants that are making a real effort, you really want other restaurants to step up their game. And and one area that I think we, we need to really up our game in Naples is in the bars. You know, standalone bars are closed right now, mm-hmm. but everybody is moving away from wine into cocktails, and cocktails especially are a really... Um, Great opportunity to be imaginative and to, um, for not a lot of money, uh, to create unusual tastes. And everybody seems to, well, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people are focusing more on the cocktail culture, the mixology. And Naples has been really slow to the table here, Mm -hmm. uh, where other cities are have mixology bars a lot. Uh, Naples has tried, um, but it seems to be slipping, unfortunately. So we have a few bars um, that are still open because they're associated with restaurants. You can eat at the bar and have a drink. Um, but we haven't seen the effort. Um, so, uh, you know, a real mixology bar, the bartender will have you. Um, will say to you, like, what would you like? And what kind of tastes are you interested in? And, uh, you know, are you a tall, tall drinker? Are you martini, a more uh, dark and smoky? Are you fresh and fruity? And making that personal connection with you hmm. is what going to a bar is all about. And um, I find that a lot of the bars here are just barely making an effort. Wow. And just, you know, what do you want? That's it. And, and that's really disappointing to me. And I really would make a shout out to all the restaurant owners um, to keep an eye on what's going on there at the bar service. And they, they're really undershooting the mark um, in terms of connection, in terms of imagination. And uh, I think that there's a real opportunity for that.
1: Well, that's so interesting. It might be because of people like me, because I just drink beer and wine. So (laughs) I I never even thought about uh, mixology and that type of thing. But it's an interesting concept. and You say it's really catching on in other cities, like Miami.
3: Absolutely. Miami, New York, they've had a, a mixology culture for about seven years now. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's the revival of the cocktail and using gin, especially gin, and different kinds of gin, and bringing in gin from other countries, like Japan is extremely popular with gin. And it goes beyond that. It's in before you say you want a beer or wine, it's offering you what the special is today
4: uh-huh. and saying,
3: hey, why don't you try this, or having a drink as... Uh, on display um, on the bar. And, you know, if you go to these bars, you'll see all sorts of tinctures and herbs and stuff. That's what mixology is all about, except I never see the bartenders use them. They're making them more as, as, uh, you know, just a a decorative element in the bar instead of actually incorporating them because it's an effort. And so I really wish um, the bars here would make more of an effort. And also, you know, the owners need to just keep an eye on it and promote it. That's a great source of revenue. Alcohol is a huge source of revenue for restaurants, and I think they're missing the mark.
1: Okay, Sharon, so that's so interesting. Before I let you go, though, any comments? How how are restaurants doing during this uh, stage? We're getting
3: some new restaurants, Bob. I was at a brand new restaurant, a brand new pizza place, Black Sheep Pizza. Great shout-out to Black Sheep Pizza on East Trail on 41, Mm -hmm. Um, and wonderful artisan pizzas that they're making. Uh, I had a, like a, chicken uh, a buffalo chicken pizza we had a pork uh, a pulled pork tortilla pizza great ideas a nice price point and a great selection of craft beers black sheep pizza people are still opening up and uh, they're just having to be more
1: imaginative which is great again sharon kenny the author of where should we eat i just genuinely appreciate your commentary here sharon thank you so much for joining us
3: Great to talk to you, Bob. Thank
1: you, Sharon. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Dave Bego. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He's the owner, by the way, of Executive Management Services, doing business in over 40 states with 6,000 employees. He founded the company. He's the CEO, and he was assaulted by uh, SEIU union bosses, and uh, they played dirty tricks and things right out of the Democrat playbook for about two and a half years before he was victorious In the effort. So uh, Dave is kind of a hero for me, and we're going to find out what's going on with unions. That and more right here in The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.com. Org. We have with us Dave Beagle. As I mentioned before the break, he's uh, kind of a hero of mine. He stood up to union bosses at SEIU for over two and a half years. They played dirty tricks on him, his customers, families, his employees, you name it. Finally, they left in shame, I suspect, because they, uh, Dave was victorious. Uh, and he wrote a book about it, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, the website is thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. I appreciate
1: it. Always a pleasure, Dave. So I uh, know we're getting closer to the unions. Uh, the uh, I think uh, uh, Biden has made it very clear that he wants everybody to be in a union, and he wants to get rid of some of the th- things that get in the way of unionizing. i got to imagine the y- unions right now are very supportive of the Democrat Party and, and up, to, <laughs> up to no good.
5: Well, they are, but some of them are waking up to what's going on in this country and that... Um, the unions that are on the far left are the ones that are causing all this chaos in this country. And, um, the national association of police organizations, uh, they've canceled their support for Biden and are endorsing Trump for president. And I think that's huge. And, um, I think we're actually going to see some other unions come along too, because, um, you know, despite the fact that the unions were, um, started many, many years ago by the mob, um, and some of them moved in that same direction. There's other ones that are just good unions. They do the right things out there, and they're waking up to the fact. And I think this is going to be huge for Trump as we move forward towards election day.
1: Yeah, I mean because this this uh, uh, police organization. It's called the National Association of Police Organizations. This is uh, this is thousands and thousands, two hundred forty one thousand sworn officers that uh, are, are members of these this association. This is a big deal. I mean, the president supports law and order. I think he know they know that he has. They have. Uh, president Trump has their backs, and uh, this it certainly makes sense. You can understand why they why they do this. But this is a big, big. I think uh, this uh, is a crater's kind of the uh, Biden presidency uh, effort to to win the presidency.
5: Well, I agree with you, and um, the other thing is Biden is. Um, you know he's come out and he's pushing for the unions, the big one, the teachers unions, and um, because I don't know if you heard this, but his, his wife was uh, a teacher a member of the union. So yeah, uh, he's behind he's behind them, and he's of course he's got the support of the, the bigger unions like the SCIU and and um, cio and, and places like that, and uh, they're going to continue to pour money into his campaign and and push for him, but. Um, I think we're seeing I think the Democratic Party is starting to wake up and realize that uh, their party has turned in the wrong direction and um, and the unions are part of that and they're moving in the other direction now.
1: Well that is great to hear Dave. I mean when I think about the, pres- the uh, Biden right now he's trying to men fences with, uh, Sanders and with the others. And it's just pulling them further and further to the left. So right now, I mean, what do they stand for? De- defund the cops. So uh, you, you can go right down the list, but the, uh, opening the borders, uh, you name it, uh, it for benefits for people who are illegal aliens, uh, amnesty for everybody. I mean, you gotta be kidding me.
5: Yeah. Well, this is, um, you know, uh, the left is, uh, gotten into Biden's head, and I think a lot of it behind the scenes, Bob, is, um, uh, you know, pressure tactics on him, and, you know, they're 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 out there like the SCIU did against us, um, uh, you know, attacking him and everything, and uh, saying, so if you want to be the president, you better do this, and you better say this, and uh, they're going to continue to do those things, and then I'm a firm believer that if he did win the presidency, so he wouldn't be the president, he be he be the president name but behind the scenes uh, the left would be running the country.
1: Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he's a, the perfect puppet if they can keep the heartbeat going. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> then uh, that's that's pretty much the the requirement for him. Uh, and what did I who was the uh, former member of the Black Panthers is, uh, who created a lot of the troubles in the 70s she's come out and said we need a, a somebody that we can we can pressure and influence to be president, then uh, she was very outspoken in the comments. She pretty much described Biden, in my opinion.
5: Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, they want to control him, and uh, they wanted somebody like that, and that's why they, they pushed for him to be the uh, Democratic nominee and, uh, uh, you know, running for the presidency, and um, because they knew behind the scenes they could control him and push him in the direction they wanted to change these things and turn this country into a socialist, communist country without God in it.
1: Yeah, uh, there's no question about it. Well, I think we've never seen an election where the, the differences between candidates could be so stark in terms of their not only their person, but also their, their platform. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't see how anybody who's thoughtful about the situation could support anybody but President Donald Trump. I realize some people don't like him personally, but my goodness, what he stands for is to, to, to save the country.
5: Well, that's right. and He stands for American values and the free markets and capitalism and all that. And the problems with the Joe Bidens and Bernie Sanders and the left and and all that is that uh, they don't understand free markets and capitalism. They have no idea how to go out and be successful. I mean, you look at uh, both Joe and Bernie. uh, They work very, very, very little in uh, the free market. They've been in politics almost their whole life.
1: Absolutely and uh, you know I don't know if you heard William Barr's speech yesterday I had a chance to view the entire speech he gave at the uh, F- uh, Ford Presidential Library. It was amazing now of course Biden's pretty been pretty clear he thinks that well, boy those communist Chinese folks are pretty nice folks and uh, we should be getting along with them. well he made it pretty clear yesterday, William Barr that look the, this is the this is our challenge in the 21st century. we have to hold these people off because we can't trade with these people these people just want to steal what we have and he, he described how many companies right now are participating and uh, I just don't know if you have any thoughts on that
5: well, you mean participating in
1: uh, participating support. and supporting the Communist uh, Chinese party that are uh, you know for example the, the industry the movie industry uh, entertainment industry if they don't like something that you're you're doing they have influence they make you take it out uh, they change <laughs> and the the uh, uh, the the uh, attorney general was pretty clear on that
5: yeah and unfortunately that happens in this country and you're going to have uh people like that who have been brainwashed and uh they're on the right side or the left side of what's going on in this country instead of being on the right side and uh it, it's sad but we do have a lot of companies out there that are trying to do the right things too mm-hmm. and that are happy that uh they're bringing production of um stuff back to the United States and which will increase jobs in this country too and that's what people need to really wake up to is that what Trump's doing is going to increase the job market and it'll increase wages too.
1: There's no question about it as, as well as demand and uh, you know everything from he cited yesterday that some of these precious earth, uh, I don't know how to describe them, but things that are used for making our, our pharmaceuticals and a number of things, uh, Trump wants that all brought back to the United States and he's trying to clear the way uh, to make that happen.
5: Well, that's true, and uh, and I could tell you just uh, an example here in Indianapolis. On huh? the east side of Indianapolis, um, where, um, uh, you know, I, I, as a young kid, I uh, my parents lived on that side for 10 years before they transferred to Fort Wayne, Indiana. But the east side at that time, Bob, it was so vibrant because we had all these major manufacturers, um, Ford and Chrysler and Western Electric and uh gm and uh, other things and the east side of indianapolis was the most vibrant part of the city but here's what happened when the unions uh, stood up and went after all these uh, companies and, and made them pay more and uh told them they had to have more employees and stuff like that of course these companies started to go downhill um and so they just uh, shut down their plants and moved them to Mexico.
1: mexico mm-hmm. sad and, indeed
5: and it's, and, and it's
1: sad It is sad, but do you know what? uh, To your point, the president is creating an environment where they want to come back, and that's just so important because, as you pointed out, it's going to create jobs, and it's going to really be a boost to the the economy, and we need that boost right now based on what's happened with this pandemic.
5: Well, absolutely, and uh, it'd be great to see areas uh, and uh, cities all over across the country uh, come back and be robust and be good places to live for the American people. And um, we got to do it by making sure that we don't let people who want to control this country and, and bring it down to a socialist type of uh, country uh, don't
1: win. Absolutely. Dave Beagle again the author of the Devil at our doorstep. I encourage you to get a copy of the book and read it. It reads <laughs> it's exciting. it's exciting read really because you say to yourself you can't even believe these people would do this. but Dave wrote a book about it the devil on our doorstep. you can get a copy at my website. Uh, Bob of course, on Dave's the, the Devil at Our Doorstep.com, and any good book purveyor. Dave, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Well, thanks, and I hope your listeners realize that the tactics that I talk about in my book that were used against me and my people and my company the same tactics are usually against the country
1: today. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Well, that's a, that's a wrap on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, begin talking about current global affairs and developments. We'll visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, a retired uh, Barons Washington bureau chief and author of several new books, among them, uh, 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 Shake the Money Tree is his latest. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.